And as the kids on the internet would say, he's got the cake. I wish you wouldn't have said that, Chuck. (laughs) (laughs) Like retribution, I'm here to destroy the show from within by becoming its champion. Cheap heat, sir. Cheap heat. And Shawnee and Justin with one. I guess thank God for Hubert. This is the saddest episode of the show ever. <laughs> Neither of you know what is going on. Erica, we need you. If you're listening. Well, wet farts aside, let's keep this show rolling here. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another week of the One Fall Show, your favorite wrestling podcast. I'm your host, Chuck Bean, joined by three panelists and my timekeeper. And uh, I'm going to introduce them to you now. Of course, uh, joining us as the timekeeper is one half of our tag team champions, the Mankind with PMS tag team champions. That is Miss Erica Bennis. Hello, sweet baby bird. Chuck, how are you? I'm doing okay. I, it's good to hear your voice this week. Uh, let me just say, I don't know where that came from, but I did just start taking antidepressants, so I think they're working. It certainly sounds that way, and uh, we're happy to happy to have you aboard. Joining us, as I was saying earlier, are our three panelists, starting with Mr. Shawnee Constant. Hello. I also just start, well, I started taking antidepressants in 1996. Uh, They're not working. Uh, How's everybody doing today? (laughs) The $17 man. How are you, Shawnee? I'm feeling, oh, I'm feeling wealthy. I'm counting these bills uh, every 46 seconds, 17 and one. And two. I'm doing great. I'm very excited that the uh, Talk Horror to Me podcast, we were able to record an episode yesterday and get that back on track. That's fun. The One Fall Show is ripping and roaring. I'm loving what we're doing here. Things are actually doing very well going into the winter of the worst year in uh, modern history. So uh, what's there to complain about? Besides Raw and SmackDown. (laughs) (laughs) That that leads me into our second panelist, the man who uh, is our, I believe, our 12 or 13-time champion, but currently uh, is competing for a championship he does not hold at the moment. I am talking about Mr. Nate Bender. And uh, I'm also going to need antidepressants after this week in wrestling. God damn it. Yes, absolutely. Uh, But let's talk about our champion, Mr. Justin Valentine, one half of the Sunshine Buddies joining us for another week of the One Fall Show. Justin, how are you? Fantastic. And I think with the mood that I'm feeling already, it it makes sense for the belt to be known as a big ray of sunshine. And I just just want it to be known as that. We are playing for the the big ray of sunshine today. I don't even want it. The Big Ray of Sunshine Championship. You got it. Congratulations, Justin. You succeeded in making me not want the fucking championship. Good job. (laughs) I appreciate you, Nate. Thank you so much. I love it, champ, and I hope that you keep that title forever. Well, and honestly, champ, if I don't get it, I hope you have it, okay? Oh, thanks, champ. All right, so we've got three rounds of questions, each round containing three questions. The question's worth one, two, and three points, respectively. And uh, we will start with the champ, Mr. Justin Valentine. Uh, Of course, our rounds are the Raw and SmackDown round called the uh, Thunderdome Underground. We've also got the Wednesday Night War of AEW and NXT, and then news and notes from around the ring. Where would you like to start this week, Justin? Well, last week we were rare and started around the ring. We're not doing that this week. We're doing uh, we'll do Raw and SmackDown because it was so good this week. 
Okay, I'm sure there are differing opinions <laughs> on the panel for that, but we'll get right into it with our Smack Draw category. Starting yeah. with SmackDown, The Miz and Otis met in a courtroom this week in a lawsuit over the Money in the Bank briefcase. In a case that featured appearances by JBL, Ron Simmons, Asuka, and Teddy Long, what famous television drama was the segment named after? Uh, well, Law and Order. That is correct. For one point, it was the Law and Otis segment as they had it uh this is obviously some backstage bs kind of stuff it's not what you you know what some people look for in a wrestling show i know nate uh usually is is there for the serious wrestling but how did you guys feel about it this week i don't know i mean I, and this might be an unpopular opinion i think the only thing that may have saved this from is the fact that the miz can somewhat act so it wasn't all just bad acting as it was everywhere else um, as for the people involved, uh, for the story, anything to get that briefcase off of Otis, I'm okay with. And I hope that's what this is leading to because the guy is not a main event guy. Um, I don't want to see that briefcase wasted on the tag titles. I don't want to see Otis in the world title picture. Um, I'd rather see Miz over Otis in that picture. So I just hope that's where this is heading. I live in fear that, they go after Sami Zayn's true intercontinental title with Otis's briefcase. On uh, the first episode of the reboot, they sort of had those two interacting, and that's something that I'm not looking forward to at all. Uh, I did not see this episode, although I did hear. Can anyone confirm? I, I understand uh, that uh, Teddy did indeed have a pee joke. Yeah, he had to go pee. Joke. I do remember. No. I, I do recall Oscar yeah. giving the holla holla holla. Yeah, no, Teddy Long no, uh, no. had a moment where it was like, oh, I have to go pee and walked off. Yeah, I don't know, know if you can. I don't know if that classifies as a pee joke per se, but it was a pee reference. Close enough. Interesting. So we're not sure if they technically broke glass. Yeah, <laughs> no, we, we have no idea if the glass was broken. They considered it. All right. Well, if uh, 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 Nate, did you have anything you wanted to say about it? Oh, I hated this. Uh, it was it was not good. <laughs> um, it seems here's here's what WWE is trying to do. They're trying to recreate the Kane and Daniel Bryan sketches, and it's not working. It wasn't. There was nothing that was funny about this. I don't like JBL, so I don't like seeing him on, seeing him on my TV screen. Teddy Long was okay, and you know, I guess. Uh, Ron Simmons being there was okay, but uh, I I just I don't know, man. Like it, this is not. Who thought this was legitimately funny? Like I like I don't watch wrestling for humor. I watch comedy for humor. Like I, I just I don't know who this was supposed to be for. Vince McMahon. Yep. It was for Vince McMahon to make him laugh. That's who it's always for, dear. You know this. Then let this be a lesson. Let this be. A lesson, a cautious tale of, uh, you know, making your your product for an audience of one. All right. Well, hopefully our product is for more than just an audience of one. But uh, let's move ahead in the Smack Draw category. Justin, you got the first one right. Let's see how you do on our second question. While the roster draft finished up last week, for one point each, who were the new additions to Monday Night Raw? One of them joining AJ Styles and the other joining Tucker. Okay, so Tucker's was Otis in a damn mask. I don't know if Otis is the answer to that. 
Do we have a name for the dude that used to be with Shane McMahon on Raw Underground? Uh, I do have names for both of these people. And, you do? Uh, if it, yeah, if, if you're not aware, then that's fine. We can move it to another uh, panel. I, I know who they – I'm forgetting what they called Otis, L something. Oh, um, and I didn't catch a name for for uh, the dude that used to be with Shane on Raw Underground. I can picture him, though, if that counts for anything. <laughs> Unfortunately, it does not in an audio uh, format. So we will move this question <laughs> over to Mr. Nate Bender. Nate, uh, do you need the question repeated? No. Uh, so that's El Gran Gordo. Yeah. Yep. And uh, Jordan. Uh, God, what is his last name? Uh, Amagabean. I'll take Amagbian? that. Amagbian. Yeah, no, it's, it's some. It's something like that. It's 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 not easy to pronounce. It is never a- caught that. It is a crazy, crazy last name. Yes, Jordan Omagabean and El Grand Gordo. Obviously, El Grand Gordo was Otis in a mask, which is a hilarious wrestling trope. Uh, Can I get a point for that? Or a half a point? Was, you didn't know it was El Grand Gordo. <laughs> it's not Otis in a mask. That's El Grand Gordo. It's El Grand Gordo. All right, Vince, continue. He never took off his mask. You don't know that that's, not, that that's Otis. Look, Mr. America was never Hulk Hogan. He was a completely yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Do you guys have a favorite wrestling trope that, you know, when you see it, you know what it is and you're like, oh, I love when they do this. Um, I, I you know, actually, there is um, Walter, the the big imposing foreigner, which is like this classic wrestling trope that goes away, you know, every 15 years. And when it comes back. A lot of times it feels really fresh and new, and that's sort of what I get with with Walter, and I really appreciate that. Not to sound too much like Nate from the previous segment, but I feel like this it, when they do stuff like this, it, it's too silly for me. You know what I mean? It's obvious. Now, the one thing I will say is that before when they used to do this, they would have the wrestlers actually believe that it was somebody else. Where now when this happens, you have the Miz and John Morrison and even the announcer selling that that's clearly Otis. You know what I mean? They're at least not trying to play it off as if they actually believe that's somebody else. So I'll give them that. But for the most part, no, this when they do stuff like this, it just gets a little too silly for me to care. And I'm not the biggest Otis fan. Otis is professional wrestling's answer to Chris Farley. And I don't know that that Tucker is a great David Spade. Um, so I don't know yeah. who they can pair him up with to 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 get, you know, the the Chris Farley, David Spade uh, concoction just right. But if they do, that might be able to get him over. Uh, if I may, going back to the whole, you know, you know, big, bad foreigner gimmick, they tried that with Rusev. That sure panned out well. Um, so I, it's just every time there's they, ways they, to do it. And you know, there's, there's ways to do it right. And there's ways to do it wrong. Rusev, they booked like a fucking asshole. Well, and yeah, and that's what I was concerned about with Walter. Cause Walter is awesome. And it's yeah. just, I, I'm sorry. Like, and I've said this time and time again, they, they take things that I love and they ruin them. And it's just, it, it hurts. It hurts me deep down in my soul. Oh, you'll get no argument from me. There you go. We will not be getting a sponsorship from the WWE at any time soon. (laughs) (laughs) 
All right, Nate, you got the second question. So the uh, control of the round moves to you for our third and final question for three points here in the Smack Draw category. Lance Storm, in a recent interview with Wrestling Inc., admitted he also is not a fan of the Retribution faction uh, and noticed that a member was missing from the faction over the last couple of weeks and said they're probably breathing a sigh of relief to not be attached to the gimmick anymore. Who is he referring to? Mercedes Martinez. Three points on the board for you, Nate. That's right. Uh, the exact quote was, I wouldn't be excited or I wouldn't be the most excited if I was in the group. And she's probably breathing a sigh of, sigh of relief. She's been the survivor and scooted out before whatever they're doing now is happening. I have a headcanon that she put her fucking foot down as soon as this first vignette came out and said, listen, you can do whatever you want with me. You can fire me. You can let me go. But I was featured well on NXT. My indie cred is pretty much uh, at its peak right now. Let me go and I'll work the indies. Retribution is undoubtedly a mid-card act. They've bumped their promos several times. They jobbed out on Monday Night Raw. They're not building this faction to be anything except a joke. And it's unfortunate that Mia Yim and Dominic Dijakovic and Shane Thorne have gotten caught up in this. I don't know about Dio Madden. I've never actually watched Dio Madden wrestle. But those guys are really, really, really talented. And I, I was actually talking about this with Will the other night. I have to think, you know, because Keith Lee got his main roster call up right at the right around the same time as the Retribution debut. We know that Keith Lee and Mia Yim are a couple. Keith Lee is very much a guy we've seen him on social media that doesn't want to rock the boat, that doesn't want to put his hand up and say, this sucks. I don't want to do this gimmick. I don't want to change my music. And, uh, you know, you got to think maybe Mia Yim is is in that exact same boat. Uh, I feel bad for literally everyone attached to retribution, but thank God Mercedes Martinez was able to get out of it. I mean, we had the debate a couple weeks ago about when, or whenever Mustafa Ali came in as the leader. And I said, it could still work out for to help him as a leader. And then they job out on raw. Uh, they're ruining Ali now in the process, you know, because they at least could have, you know, kept retribution strong, quote unquote, for a little bit and show that Ali can be a legit character by leading any stable period. But then you, right after Ali gets uh, announced as the leader, they get jobbed out the first time he shows up on raw. That doesn't make any sense to me either. So yeah, this is, this is a clusterfuck. Erica. To go back to what Nate said, I feel like they're not even joke retribution and even a joke. Cause I feel like a joke has purpose. Retribution is just there. They're just kind of in limbo. Yeah. They're taking up space. Once again, it's another idea that could have been great if executed in a logical fashion, but it shit the bed like like so many other things within the past few years. And it's it's just it's incredibly disappointing because you know, as everyone has said, there's there's a lot of really great talent in retribution and 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 they're going to be sullied as a result. Johnny, and in that third hour, Ali finally got to deliver his promo, and it was excellent. But it was two hours after they got buried. Uh, they didn't even, you know, they could have even ended that that opening hour somewhat neutral. But it was like they got punked twice. They got whooped on by the hurt business, and then dominated by the fiend. 
So, you know, I don't know. Are they all going to become some sort of minions of the fiend? Is that where we're headed with this? And they're, they're not even second tier characters. They're third tier characters. It's very interesting to watch how meandering this progression has been and how little value the TV time has provided any of the talent involved. I genuinely think the most frustrating thing about this is the fact that is that the actual motivation and story behind retribution is genuinely interesting because it's, it's a, you know, uprising from within of people who feel like they've been misused on television. So their gimmick is to be misused on television. That's the part that doesn't make any fucking sense. Mm -hmm. Get rid of the goddamn Bane masks, put the, get rid of the stupid names like slapjack and T bar and let these guys present themselves as who they are with that same gripe, that will get over. That will be interesting. I can't believe that they wasted this opportunity to tell this story on guys in fucking Bane masks. That's embarrassing. Real quick, we'll, and we'll move on, but uh, as far as this retribution angle is concerned, if you could pull one person out of retribution, a la Mercedes Martinez, to to save them from this awful gimmick, who would you choose? Uh, we'll Mia start with Yim. you. Mia, Mia Yim? Yim. Okay. For sure. What about you, Justin? I was going to say Mia Yim as well. Uh, she's strong. She was strong in NXT. I was stunned. I think out of anybody, I was the most stunned to find out she was a part of this. Johnny? She's so, she's so good. I, I can't disagree. They have a very strong women's division. They still need to, as we discuss frequently, spotlight some of those characters more. And Mia Yim can do both things. She can present well in promos and she can wrestle like uh, like a champion. So I, I think that's that, that in my case, too, because the window for women in the business is smaller typically i think the value for her being trapped in this uh this whirlpool uh is is more impactful what about you erica let's make this shit unanimous i mean it's it's me am and um you know everyone kind of touched on all the points that i want to make so it's just it's come on it she deserves so much better than this well we're at the end of our first round so why don't you let us know where the points stand and who's in the lead well, after that bitch sesh about WWE currently, we currently have Nate in the lead with five points, Justin with one, Shawnee didn't get a chance to answer a question. He will start off round two. Hooray. All right. There you go, Shawnee. You've got uh, news and notes from around the ring and the AEW NXT Wednesday Night War to choose from. What would you like to start with? Oh, let's try the news and notes category, Chuck. Sounds good to me. So this, of course, covers just about everything else that's going on in the world of wrestling. And we will start with uh, New Japan, who had their, um, let's see, give me a second here. I need to actually say this correctly. And we'll start with New Japan, where Kota Ibushi emerged from the New Japan G1 Climax successful. Nada in the finals last weekend. This is the second year in a row that he has won the G1, scoring him a shot at the main event of Wrestle Kingdom. But who did he insist he wants to take both the IC and heavyweight titles off of? Oh, crap. I don't remember who he has those titles, sir. I, uh, Despite the imploring of Erica uh, this season, I did not watch any of the G1 tournament. So I'm going to have to guess the... Ghost of Dick Togo. <laughs> no. 
Unfortunately, it was not the ghost of Dick Togo. And as a result of that answer, Shawnee now has negative five points. <laughs> uh, we'll move it over to Justin, who is uh, next lowest in the point totals. Uh, who did Kota Ibushi say he wants to pull those titles off of at Wrestle Kingdom? Look, at, uh, I've said it before. My New Japan knowledge is based on how much I can study. Chuck, I was too busy studying Bound for Glory from Impact. I didn't get to New Japan. <laughs> So I'm blaming you for me not knowing this answer. And that's my answer. <laughs> All right. Before we go today, I'm giving Justin one point for just openly saying he studied bound for glory because I know how much he hates it. So once again, you guys, these antidepressants are really working. I am on fire today. <sighs> Nate, your opportunity to uh, steal the round and solidify your lead. Who did, uh, who did, Kota Ibushi say he wants to pull those titles off at Wrestle Kingdom. That's Tetsuya Naito. That's it. One more point for uh, Mr. Nate Bender. Um, when we recorded last week, I believe, Nate, you had not yet seen the end of the G1 Climax, whereas Erica had. Here's you guys' opportunity. Uh, rant and rave, man, because I heard it was great. I actually still have not seen it. I didn't get around to watching it this week. I am a bad, bad fan. I am sorry. Wow. Yeah, I know. I, I actually started watching the full show because I don't just want to watch the match. I want to watch the full show. And uh, I, I got through like the second tag match and I had something distract me and I, I never went back. Now, I watched the final match. I have I, too, have not watched the full show. So even I am a hypocrite. But I will say the match against or for the G1 final with Sonata against Kota Ibushi, um, it, you know, I had a hunch that Coda was going to win anyway, but they really, the way they booked it, you were thinking like, oh my God, Sonata is going to make this happen. And I've always, I've been a Sonata fan for a long time. The way that they book him is similar to like Tomohiro Ishii, where mm -hmm. he's strong, but they're like, mm, no, you're not going to be the guy. And just they, you're a notch I feel like below. Yeah. Yeah. Even though he's, remarkably athletic and he's he's got a great presence he doesn't say much as far as promos go but i he's just he's he's got everything you could possibly look for in an athletic wrestler i thought the exact same thing about evil until until he beat naito for both those championships so i think that that kind of just shows how quickly that perception can kind of shift and change mm -hmm. just based on the booking but I, I agree with you uh, that that there does seem to be like he's right below, like definitely in the main event, but maybe not a title holder. And if he is a title holder, not for very long. And it could be by design just because he's in Los Gobernables de Apone and you have right. Tetsuya Naito as gimmick, the leader. Right. Yeah, that's their, their gimmick. And you can't exactly have. Or why are you laughing, Justin? Is it because I said those names very quickly? What's wrong? What's yeah, going no, on, baby it just, boy? It, it, no, it just it, it intimidated me a little bit. I'm like, oh, wow, what am I missing? It was a lot. It was good. Think, Keep going. No, I'm sorry. I, can, can we give okay. Erica a point for being able to successfully say that faction? Yeah, and she Johnny just like trying to do it for the entire one fall show history and we can't yeah i'm not sure that i could say it even to speak for yourself and i can absolutely say los and gobernables de japon <laughs> there All you right, go there. see he's got it he's got it I'm just um, very impressed i i live to impress Chuck, what Chuck. can i say <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, back to Tetsu United. So he's obviously the, the faction leader. 
So if you have Sonata rise up through the ranks, what does that do to the faction? It's their biggest merch seller in New Japan. So obviously they don't want to kind of fuck with it too much. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot at play, but like it banger of a match. Um, I can't not see Kota winning the title at Wrestle Kingdom considering he he you know came up short last year. Yeah. And it just seems like I mean it's I see it happening, but I feel like even though I know he's going to win, it's still it's going to be an incredible moment. I'm very excited. I've already taken I've already requested time off from work so I can watch Wrestle Kingdom live. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's I'm wow. that bitch. By the way, Chuck, speaking of pronunciation, can you tell me who the Rainmaker is? <laughs> I hear it. I, I can't. He's blonde. <laughs> okay, here's the thing. Say it with here's me. The... Say it with me. Kazuchka. Kazuchka. Okada. Okada. There you go. Kazuchi Kiko Okada. Oh, right. <laughs> I will say, I will say, I do admire you just knowing you would piss me off. You're like, I can't say it. I'm just going to nod. So, <laughs> I, so, look, so five points for Chuck. I, I know the antidepressants are working. I today. don't want to test how well. All right. That's just where it comes. Or as Danhausen calls him, the money man. <laughs> there you go. The money man. All right, Nate. Uh, we've got another question from our news and notes from around the ring. This time, moving over to a series that Brett the Hitman Hart has on uh, the internet called Confessions of a Hitman. In a recent episode, he revealed his biggest regret about the Montreal screw job. What did he say it was? Ooh, this is a great question and one that I don't know the answer to, but one that I am very interested in knowing the answer to. Because he he checked off a lot of boxes there, punched Vic, Vince McMahon in the face, spit on him in, uh, uh, on live television, trashing the set. Uh, I'm going to say beating the shit out of Shawn Michaels. That is not the correct answer. Damn. But a very good one. We'll move uh, over to Shawn. Had to be in the ballpark at least. <laughs> move over to Shawn. Uh, what did Bret Hart say was his biggest regret about the Montreal screw job? Not kicking Vince to the main roster. <laughs> Not kicking Vince to the main roster is a fantastic question. I think is worth at least one point, putting you at negative four. But you know, you know, <laughs> in a way, in a way, that's exactly what the fucking Montreal screw job did. Yeah. It's how we all got Mr. McMahon. All right, Justin, it's up to you. You could steal this one. What did Brett say was his biggest regret about the Montreal screw job? I mean, Nate said it. it's a great question because I'm shocked that there's anything he regrets about this situation. I'm just going to throw out there the fact that he let it happen. Just random guess. No, none of those are the correct answer. He did say uh, before the whole screw job happened, this is the full quote, which will have the, the answer in it, which is that the match was cut short by the finish. He said, before the screw job happened, it's a five-star match. Uh, Brett says, we toured an incredible pace. We were going for 15 minutes before we even got in the ring, then 10 minutes in the ring, and had another 25 minutes planned out. And uh, if it had happened, it would have been one of the greatest matches of all time. They'd be talking about it today much more than the actual Montreal screw job. Wow. That's um, actually, that's that I that's a very kind of surprising answer. Because, you know, you, you hear so many stories about the Montreal screw job. Right. You know, and, and, you know, to his point, it was a great match right up until the finish. Yeah. Um, man, I, you know what? 
I would have liked to see that match. Yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, in his head, what was, what he was told was going to happen sounded phenomenal. So, and I think that probably was part of the, the, the shtick of it all is selling him this phenomenal match and how much that we have planned for this match and how long it's going to go and how great it's going to be. That just added to the BS of the screw job of part of it, of what they did to him. So, I mean, to me, he just sounds like a guy that was overly sold on what this match was going to be. And that I feel for him, you know, but I would love to see it. I'm with Nate because the match was great up until what happened. I'd be interested to even just hear the layout, you know? Yeah. You know, I know Jim Cornette was there at the time of the screw job. You know, I wonder if he knows the full layout of what was proposed. All right. Well, uh, nobody got that, got that particular question. So we'll kick it right back to, uh, Nate for our third and final one. And this is one that, uh, Justin might actually know the answer to because it's about impact wrestling's bound for glory. Shout out to impact. Last night, they crowned three new champions and inducted Ken Shamrock into their Hall of Fame. For one point each, what WWE Hall of Famer showed up to congratulate Ken Shamrock at the ceremony? That would be The Rock. Uh, That's one. There were two others. Mm, Nope. No idea. All I knew was The Rock. All right. Well, that's worth at least one point. Let's kick it over to Shawnee. Uh, three different people, Hall of Famers, all of them, showed up to congratulate Shamrock at the Hall of Fame ceremony last night. Who were they besides The Rock, obviously? Um, so my first inclination is to guess Big Van Vader and Farmer Burns. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like uh, maybe Kurt Angle would have showed up and a Hall of Famer from in the past of Impact. I, I, I don't know. I'm going to guess Kurt Angle. Ooh, that's a great guess. Unfortunately, it's not correct, but man, that would have been fantastic. Yeah, that would have been good. Justin, here you go. Your studying could prove fruitful. You got uh, for, for three points what three people showed up to congratulate Ken Shamrock last night at the Hall of Fame ceremony. Uh, the Rock, was it Mick Foley and Bret Hart? That is correct. Bret Hart, Mick Foley, and The Rock all showing up. And uh, as I said earlier, they crowned three new champions. The North taking the tag team titles, uh, Rich Swan taking their heavyweight title, and Sue Young in a surprise showing up for the women's title. So uh, shout out to the couple of Rich Swan and Sue Young for that. Also, Rhino and Heath Slater winning their match. So uh, Yeah, but Heath Slater taking an injury, though. That's unfortunate. Yeah, that's very rough. I don't think we have anything else to say about Impact, so we'll move on. <laughs> <laughs> you might. I was waiting for you to. Did you You'd watch? Right, here, Chuck. Here, here. Let me. Here, Chuck. Did you watch the show? And what did you think of it? I did not watch the show. I checked it out. The results. The one were Impact better. fan. Son of a. <laughs> okay, just move on. Damn it! I tried. <laughs> Erica, uh, you. Yes. Where do we stand with the points at the end of round two? <laughs> Oh, we're well. Where we're standing, we're we're just trying to keep this shit on the rails, and I I don't think we're doing a very good job. <laughs> but points wise, uh, we have Nate in the lead with seven, Justin in second with five points, and Shawnee with technically one point. But in my heart, you still have negative four. I will say this about the Impact Show: uh, my husband and I were going to buy it, and then I think we just got distracted and just. 
we're like, no, no, we just, <laughs> yeah, we just decided to just lay on the couch instead. And I think I ended it's up a lot watching of money to just see the, new, the good brothers, isn't it? it? Yeah. I don't know. It's just, it, it's been a, it's been a week and it's just been, ick. but anywho, Shawnee's kicking off next round. So huzzah. It's been a year. Honestly, every week is yes. better because it's just been a year. All yeah. right, Shawnee. Uh, as we move on to the Wednesday Night War with the NXT and uh, AEW, are you ready? Uh, yes, sir. I watched Borat last night instead of Impact, Chuck. <laughs> Great success. <laughs> All right. So for many, uh, the highlight of Wednesday night was Le Dinner Deb Noir which saw Chris Jericho and Maxwell Jacob Freeman do a musical number on AEW Dynamite. They sang and danced to the song Me in My Shadow, but what members of the Rat Pack originally made this song famous in 1962? That's a one-point question. In 1962, <laughs> fucking Farmer Burns was the champion in 1962. <laughs> um, oh my I, God. <laughs> <laughs> How many people listening even know the names of the people in the Rat Pack? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay, admittedly. Okay, so in, I know Frank on. Sinatra is in the Rat Pack. Now, what are you, you're the scorekeeper. What's going on here? <laughs> no, no, no. Okay, so obviously we had a different show in mind before we started recording this, and I didn't write the questions. However, Chuck... I so would have written this fucking question. Okay. So, the cat. No, 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 no. Time out. And Nate, you'll get your chance. I just want to say, last week you expected me to remember Dan Bryan's script on SmackDown, like word for word script. And now you want us to go back to 1962. What is going on? I thought this is a wrestling podcast. If they're all softballs, then like it, there's no fun. It's a, it's a one point question. It's supposed to so get harder. So you shouldn't be that butthurt about getting it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Nate, you're right, good. While Farmer Burns is a fantastic answer to just about any question, it's not the answer we're looking for. Justin, do you have an answer? No, I don't. All right. (laughs) Incidentally, I'd still like to take a crack at this after Nate's done. All right, fair enough. How about you, Nate? Who made this song famous in 1962? Frank Sinatra and Sammy Davis Jr. That's the correct answer. God damn. But Y'all Sean, know nothing about music. Of, who do you I'm think 24. It was? I'm 24. <laughs> yeah, we're not a hundred, asshole. Okay, like I'm ten years older than you, and I still knew that shit. So stop well, it. Stop listening to the Spin Doctors and listen to some real music like Frank Sinatra. <laughs> the Spin Doctors. <laughs> That's where you landed. <laughs> Goddamn right. <laughs> you, you, you fucking kids with your Spin Doctors music. <laughs> Well, you know what? Admit it. You've spent admit it. You've spent more time listening to the spin doctors in your life than you've listened to Frank Sinatra. Not me, no. That's a crime. Oh my god. Uh, I did see that Spin Doctors was my first concert in 1994. <laughs> see? I, and you're laughing at me. Which I and still I'm before right. Justin I'm, was born. I'm sitting here a hundred percent fucking right. <laughs> Chuck, you see that question did to the show? That was a phenomenal segment. And that question just took this show even further off the rails than we already were. 
Chuck, I'll pay you ten dollars if you can name the third <laughs> member of the Rat Pack from 1962. Ooh, this is the like this it. is literally the best <laughs> audiogram we've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Oh, my stomach hurts from laughing so hard. God. Yes, Nate, uh, that is the correct answer. <laughs> Sammy Davis Jr. and Frank Sinatra. By the way, the answer is Dean Martin for the third member of the race. Yes, thank you. Thank you. you didn't know that. I uh, didn't know that. I actually listened to real music. Thank you. Yeah, and, and those I knew amazing that roasts too. in the 70s. They in, in the 80s, they would have the uh the advertising the, the, the telecommercials for the, the, the roast fucking videos. That's a hundred percent where I know the rat pack from. It's from all of, <laughs> it's from the Friars Club roasts. A hundred percent. According to the Wrestling Observer, MJF was actually the one who came up with the idea, but Jericho is the one who suggested they use me in my shadow and said that they were up till 2 a.m. filming the segment, and it was uh, completed editing about maybe 20 minutes before it saw air. Let's talk about it, guys, because some of us loved it, and I'm pretty sure some of us hated it. Rat Pack, everybody. Favorite song. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know about me in my shadow, Chuck. I'm a Candyman guy. All right. That's fair. This is now a, a musical podcast. Uh, Jericho um, sure does it his way. <laughs> <laughs> I was thrown by how how solid MJF singing voice is. I did not I, know okay, that. Well, he only appeared on Rosie O'Donnell's show to sing when he was a small child. Well, I you should have known that no, he can sing. Nope, listen, no idea. Listen, I know Nate. I already know you hated this, so I'll let you go in a minute. I loved it. Okay. I have been one on Nate's side when it comes to AEW writing. And I thought this was phenomenal. I thought this was a, it was the last thing anyone expected. I don't think anyone expected to be in a musical. Now, if you think about it, like Nate just mentioned, they both have singing backgrounds. So when you put two and two together, it kind of makes sense. But I thought this was one time any wrestling promotion went so far off the rails of actual wrestling in their writing and it actually worked and it was entertaining because of how unexpected it was, how talented they both are and how charismatic they both are, how cheesy it was. I thought it was great. I want to see Dick Togo sing Mac the Knife to get Jay White to the ring. Can we just just move on to the next question? (laughs) You 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 just you took all of the anger and animus that I had for this segment, and now I I can't I don't know that I can even work up the anger. No, Um, Nate Nate all of a sudden loves this segment. He goes, No, here's here's I will preface this by saying this, okay? MJF and Jericho both sung well. From a production standpoint, they did very well with this, except for some of the dancers. I'll forgive it because they were up till 2 a.m. That is fine. I also understand why a program like AEW does some of the comedy stuff that they do. I have been trying to watch the Ring of Honor Pure Tournament, and I fall asleep every time I try to watch it. It's just boring and so i understand the need for injecting entertainment this was so far off the fucking rails 
and away from and 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 I think what what bothered me about it was who was involved in it because I'm I'm someone I believe that there should be a very clear division between who takes this shit seriously and who treats it as a comedy show and there's you know very rarely sh- should the the two things ever mix and when they do it should end up being a little bit more like the first orange cassidy jericho confrontation and less like the fucking mimosa bullshit that they did okay so th- that's that's my desire to see a program reflecting the things that i want to see on a wrestling show I will admit this was not for me. I didn't like it, but it kind of put me off watching wrestling for the rest of the week. I was not into watching SmackDown. I still have not watched uh, even a quarter of NXT this week. So this really took a lot of the enthusiasm enthusiasm out of my sails. All right. Unless anyone's got somebody to follow, follow that up with, we can move on to the next question. Look, I loved that fucking segment. I love productions i love flamboyant crap i love musicals that thing it felt like someone made a segment just for me and and i i know everyone's saying like well why on earth would they even do such a thing the same reason why a dog licks himself as they can okay they can do it and sometimes you just gotta do some random shit sometimes you gotta lick yourself as a as a musical number, I thought it was interesting that it was the same week that they trotted out Elias to play his very milk toasty pop power songs. I didn't uh, put those two together. I, you funny. know, probably coincidence, just because of how much production went into the musical number on on AEW Dynamite. But uh, I thought it was inter- interesting that they both had a musical interlude, and um, the reaction was probably different from unique. Like, like each unique fan probably had a slightly different reaction to each one. But just looking at the aggregate, you know, Twitter was sort of outraged in both instances that they weren't getting wrestling, and instead they were getting a musical number. I honestly uh, appreciated it mostly because it feels like a return to the festival of friendship, Chris Jericho. And I appreciate that not only can Chris Jericho be the serious badass heel, but he can move the needle over to being a comedy heel and do both of them very well. And he can mm-hmm. turn it on a dime. And uh, I've seen enough serious Chris Jericho. I'm, I'm, I'm ready for a little bit of funny Chris Jericho again. I think for me, so much of this is contrasted by the fact that the G1 had just wrapped up and it was so good and I had enjoyed it so much. And the last thing that I would have wanted to see on the G1 was a fucking musical production, sure. you know, like and and Shawnee had put it perfectly. I, I, I honestly I don't want to see Kazuchika Okada sing Mac the Knife like fuck that. Like, you know what I mean? Like there's, you know, f- whatever. Tai Chi lip syncs whenever he comes to the ring. That's a different thing. But. Uh, you know, it's just it's I, I just want an ability to take this shit a little bit more seriously. And the fact that it was contrasted by how much I, I genuinely enjoyed what I watched of the G1, I think really just put me off of of the idea that, you know, North America can produce a, a good, serious wrestling show. But again, I also recognize that Ring of Honor is fucking dreadfully boring. So I understand you need some of that. So what do I know? 
All right, let's move on to our second question in our Wednesday Night War. Uh, Nate, you still got control of the board. In NXT this week, Pat McAfee returned to cost the Undisputed Era a title opportunity by attacking the members backstage. Who did he align himself with so that they could win the tag team titles? Ah, I know this one. It's Danny Burch and uh, Oni Lorcan. Yep, absolutely. Uh, my question to you guys, do you think... War games typically happens close to Survivor Series. Are we building to a face undisputed era against McAfee, Lorcan, Birch, and then what would have been Rich Holland before he was injured? Yeah, I think that that's pretty clearly the plan that they were building towards. I think that's a really bad stable, though. Like, I'm not the biggest fans of Birch and Lorcan, especially after some of the things that I've seen Danny Birch post lately. And I, I got to be honest with you, I, I like Pat McAfee. I'm just not sure that the combined powers of Ridge Holland, Danny Birch, and Oni Lorcan are much of a threat up against the talent, the pure talent that comes out of the Undisputed Era. But do I think that the Undisputed Era is doing a face turn? Yes, I do. And that, it, to me, is much more interesting than whatever they're doing with these three guys. Um, yeah, 100% agree. I think you know a face turn leading to a, a War Games match and, you know, around this time of the year is good. If you're going to keep, we talked about keeping Adam Cole in NXT, you're going to do this with Undisputed Era. Um, I think they're pushing their luck with Pat McAfee because you got a good match out of him. He's, you know, a former football player. He's athletic. But now, again, I think you should have just sent him away after that one match with Adam Cole. I think bringing him back for yet another big main storyline with Undisputed Era and now you pair him up, and I get Ridge Holland got hurt. I assuming that was the game plan. I again, I don't. This stable doesn't make any sense. Uh, and a guy like him, because again, he's still not a wrestler. You need stronger talent around him in the stable to help him. And I don't think those two guys are it. Honestly, Pat McAfee was good enough the last time that he was in the ring with Adam Cole that you could have brought him back for like. WrestleMania or something, you know, right. may, you yep. know, have him work like a, a, you know, some sort of main event program uh, on on one of the the two shows, and then use him in WrestleMania. But like using him on a regular basis in NXT feels like that's not the move. Well, and again, for what NXT is known for being, it feels like you're just. And I get they have injuries right now they're dealing with, but it feels like you're just completely pushing aside a lot of good talent and storylines. Yeah. Um, for Pat McAfee, right? Like Cameron Grimes and uh, the guy he's feuding with right now, they got oh, a backstage segment. I can't, why am I? Dexter Is Loomis. Damian Priest? They, yeah. No, da Damian Priest. Damian Priest got a video package this week. That's it. Uh, Cameron Grimes and Dexter Loomis got a backstage segment, and that's it. While Pat McAfee was the main event of the show. That doesn't add up for an NXT show, for at least what NXT's known for being and why they're loved so much. The War Games is a great, I, I really do enjoy that wrinkle once a year. And so you do have to do something. And I don't know that you necessarily would get anything great out of taking some of the single stars and pushing them together into um, uh, an impromptu faction, especially the way that WWE makes those things so disposable. Mm. Um, so I think that that it, this could be a good angle, and ultimately it's, it's going to be a great match. I mean, it's so rare anymore that NXT takeovers fail to deliver. 
I think it would work. Uh, it, it's going to work, however they put it out. But um, you know, this is the time of year where some of the single stars do get pushed aside. And you're right. Let's be honest. It's not like you know Birch and Lorcan were were slotted for a big main event program. Like they weren't doing anything before this. So yeah, you know, you got a point there. All right, let's move on to our third and final question. Uh, Nate's pretty solidly just uh, running the show tonight, so let's see if he can get three points off of this one. Going back to AEW, they've been setting up full gear, especially this past week, very quickly and uh, very solidly. However, there is one title that they have yet to make a match for. Which title is it? Uh, The women's title. Yes, that's correct. For three points, the women's title. Um. What do you guys think so far of this uh, Full Gear card? I know that we are a couple hours away from Hell in a Cell, but I think Full Gear is what next week or the week after. Yeah, it's coming up. Uh, what do you guys? How do you guys feel about the the Full Gear card? I think it looks really strong. I am very excited for Full Gear. I am really invested in this tournament that they've got going on. Um, I think obviously what they're building towards is Omega and Hangman. And they've been building that story for over a year now. It feels like over a year now. Um, it's probably actually a little less than a year since the Jericho cruise. Now that I think about it, but anyway, um, it's been such a steadily built program that uh, I just I want to see it pay off. Now, I didn't lo- I didn't love Kenny Omega's entrance this week, the with the dancing girls and with the brooms and stuff, but. I am excited for an increased focus on his character and an increased focus on a singles uh, singles run for Kenny. I think that's going to be very, very interesting. When I look at the star power in AEW, there's really only one name that comes up to be able to take the title off of Moxley and still have it hold as much prestige, and that's the way that you're building up Kenny right now. So um, if that's the way that they're, that they're building towards... Uh, I think that that's going to be a fascinating, fun program. Um, you know, it might build towards Moxley and Omega at Revolution, I think, is their next pay-per-view after Full Gear. So, yeah, I think that that's going to be, that's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, the card's strong, and I think this, um, for the most part, the stories around it are, is what, what's helping it. I mean, AEW's getting to the point now that they just passed a year on TV, that the spark of just these matches need to be backed up with solid storytelling behind it. And if you just put together, you know, a, a bunch of cool looking matches on paper, and even if they have some cool stunts or moves within that match, but there's no good storytelling around it, you're, you're going to start officially losing people. And I think this pay-per-view is the first one out of their pay-per-views that there is legitimately good storytelling behind the matches that are on the card. And I think that's what sells it the most for me. One thing I'm trying to figure out is why a 1962 reference was the one point question and a 2020 reference was the three point question, but <laughs> I'll, I'll let that one slide Chuck. Um, but no, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm definitely looking forward to it. I get a kick out of you, Chuck. <laughs> I appreciate God, that. Johnny. Damn. God, you are on fire. <laughs> Shawnee, no, Shawnee, do you have anything to say about AEW or, or I, I didn't mean to cut I, you off I, if you did. No problem. Real quickly before I toss it to you, Eric, I, I do want to say, I think that Justin makes a great point. You know, I went into AEW, I think like you did, where we had a, a, a pretty good pulse on the elite. Um, me probably slightly less than you, but I was much more into watching what was going on 
in uh, New Japan during that elite run. And I was also following the indies quite heavily. So people like Orange Cassidy, I was extremely familiar with. And so it was like a big pop for me when I saw that he was getting signed to a TV deal where a lot of people are just being introduced to Orange Cassidy. And they're like, well, what the hell is this? You know, it's orange juice in my Cheerios. Um, (laughs) Where I think even for people like us, now it's time for them to stop uh, living on the nostalgia or the excitement of the, what is the new thing, which is either people seeing these uh, performers for the first time or people like us seeing how they're being used in AEW. And again, those stories have to start being told. That's an excellent, excellent point. If they could tell good organic stories, that will make me invest in AEW far more than I am right now. <laughs> Go ahead, Erica. Just keep I'm just trying to keep it together because here's the thing. While we were going through a, a, a question a couple of minutes ago, I thought of uh, uh, Shawnee's line about Mac the Knife, and I, I almost just started just laughing. And I'm like, no, keep it together, bitch. Come on. Uh, uh, to just clarify, uh, Full Gear is on November 7th, so it's two weeks away. Uh, and that's a Saturday night, as with you know all AEW pay-per-views. Man, I know we talked about it in the chat, or at least I gushed about it in our little group chat. That 10 to 15 minutes of programming where you had Moxley's promo, Kingston's promo, and then you set up Kenny to yes. really kind of go it to be the cleaner is probably one of the best pieces of programming AEW had uh, in their entire run because it's set up so much, so quickly. And if you weren't... If you weren't engaged, if you weren't hooked by that, like what else do you really want? Like what, like you just, how, how could you not be moved? Um, I'm very excited, obviously for that heavyweight championship match. Very interested to see how they're going to kind of build uh, Kenny and hangman uh, just because it's, it's been such a slow burn. Um, I, I just really hope hangman ends up coming out strong uh, because I think he's just an outstanding talent as well. And I think uh, just personality wise, he's, he's just different and I like different. That's just, it just, just gives me a nice feeling in my pants area. Every time he just does something funny or weird. So it's just, I I'm very excited for full gear, even though, Darby Allen's palling around with Steve-O, which no one really needs. Steve-O can just go away. Yeah. Can I talk can I can I talk about the one thing about full gear that I'm actually not excited for? And sure. that's this Matt Hardy Sammy Guevara match. This Again. needs to this just needs to stop. This it, it has been a fucking snake bitten feud from the word go from the last I just I I'm, I have no interest in seeing this. Even if it's a good match. I have no interest in seeing it. Just keep these guys fucking apart. And and the fact that it's like Matt Hardy's kind of returned to the ring too. Like you you could have easily moved Matt Hardy on to anything else. And I'm just I'm I I worry for Matt. I worry for his health. I I I I worry that he doesn't he, that he doesn't have his best interest in mind. That he's well, trying to get the company over and do what's right for the company and not do what's right for him. Yeah, I think it's time for Matt, and I mean this out of uh, you know exactly what Nate's talking about and his health. It's time for him to go away. Um, he's given me the scary feeling I had at the end of Kurt Angle's run. Because yeah. at the end of Kurt Angle's run, he looked stiff. He looked unhealthy. 
and Matt is getting that same exact look. He is moving the same exact way when he talks. It's it, it's just it. I worry for him. Like, why are you doing this? Why are you still doing this? And for Matt, compared to Angle, Matt Hardy is known for the high flying and the risks and the stunts and all that, and he's still going to want to try to pull that off. For some reason, Jeff Hardy can still do it. Matt, you cannot. Sorry. There's absolutely no heat here. None, right? Like, for me, it's just all sadness and, like, sort of pity. Like, I genuinely don't want to see this. And I don't know how to express the 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 kind of depth of that enough where like it's i have no desire to see this none yeah, that's an interesting point it is time and I'm, I'm a huge mark for the broken matt hardy and uh but yeah this feud specifically i don't i don't feel quite so concerned about his long-term health as you guys maybe do but just in terms of the wind being taken out of the sails of a feud. This is starting to feel a little raw. Like, you know, it's a, it's yeah. a little bit of a uh, Rollins versus the Mysterios. And, you know, <laughs> I get that they haven't had as much concentrated time because of the injuries, but that doesn't really matter. I, you know, I, I wasn't uh, waiting with bated breath for Hardy to come back so that I could see this feud resolve. So hopefully this is the end of this. Hopefully they put on a great show, a great match. Everyone celebrates, move on to the next thing. Agreed. And that's what we're going to do. Now that our three rounds are over, Erica, where do the points stand before we head into our final fall? As we head into the final fall, we have Nate with 13 points, Justin with five, Sean with one. And looking at how you structured the final fall, it still is anyone's game. Back to you. That's the joy of the final fall is our last uh, question uh, comes to us as we are hours away from WWE Hell in a Cell. Uh, there are three Hell in a Cell matches tonight, but before those, how many matches have there been in WWE history? That answer is worth 10 points. And for an additional five points, let me know over private message who you guys think has the most appearances in Hell in a Cell. I just want to clarify. You're asking how many Hell in a Cell matches there have been, including tonight? Uh, without tonight's three matches. Got it. Yep. And then also, uh, who do you think has the most appearances in Hell in a Cell? While those guys are PMing me the answers, Erica, is there anything that we may have missed this week that you'd like to cover? Uh, well, something that we have missed just now, only because this is a an audio podcast, but I literally think I just saw Justin count all the Hell in a Cell matches he could think of, and I could see him like, that's one, two, three, and I just thought that was cute. That's all. Uh, no, I, I, I don't really, I don't really have much to add. Uh, you know, once again, that Kingston Moxley promo was just fucking awesome, and that, that that's the wrestling thing that just really brought me joy this week. I mean, other than the song and dance. So, which, sure. I mean, yeah. So, to be fair, yes, I, uh, I had a strategy. Um, it wasn't actually like remembering every single Hell in a Cell match. It was more of a a years counting kind of thing, and I'm probably still either, way off. E- either way, the fact that you're like one, two, three. Okay, <laughs> I just I just thought it was I thought it was funny. You took Thank you're you. taking this seriously. Tip of the am. cap to you, sir. Appreciate that. I'm probably still way off. Chuck's probably looking at my answer like, really? You counted, <laughs> and that's what you came up with. Well, I'll say while I'm waiting for uh, one or two more answers here that uh, predictably enough, my highlight for this week was seeing The Fiend and Alexa Bliss not once, but twice within three hours, once in the Firefly Funhouse and then at the beginning of the show 
uh, together. And it was great to see that she is also going to be taking part in having a spooky character and a joyful, uh, innocent character. And uh, I'm absolutely looking forward to, I think, even uh, Bully Ray. I want to shout out Bully Ray because on Busted Open Radio, he said that uh, that is money, that Bray Wyatt has been money the whole time and they've wasted it, but that Alexa Bliss is a great reactor and she is going to probably elevate the whole fiend Bray Wyatt thing to a new level. All right. It looks like I've got uh, three, three answers here from uh, all three of our guys. Uh, I will once again, repeat the question. And that was, uh, as of this recording, we're hours away from hell in a cell. And with three hell in a cell matches tonight, uh, I was looking for how many hell in a cell matches there have been before tonight in WWE history. And for an extra five points, who has the most appearances in hell in a cell? Let me uh, click over to my answers here. First of all, I've got Justin. He answered. Hold on. No, that's that's uh, that's Nate's answer. He says that there are 42 uh, matches and that he believes Roman Orton and Sasha will win. Uh, I, the, the five point answer was, who do you think has the most appearances in Hell in a Cell? Did I mess that up, Nate? No, I just don't care. You just don't care. OK, fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> Justin said that there are 43 Hell in a Cell matches in history and that Triple H, in his in his uh, guess, has the most Hell in a Cell appearances. And Shawnee says there have been 38 Hell in a Cell matches and Mick Foley has been in all of them. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. Oh, that's awesome. Shout out to Mick Foley, man. Well, what else did my answer say, Chuck? This is for Erica. <laughs> Uh, it said he has no idea, Chuck, and that's Amore. <laughs> oh my God, that's so there you go. God damn it, man! <laughs> uh, the correct answer is that there have been 42 matches in uh, oh. in Hell in a Cell history, and that the Undertaker has had the most appearances. So Nate got that one correct. Nate, uh, Nate, getting 10 points for that, but nobody getting the Undertaker for five points. And where does that? Put the final tally at Erica. Well, for starters, because of that, Samori, I gave uh, Shawnee uh, five extra points uh, just because that made me happy. So, Shawnee ends this with six points. Uh, Justin still had the five. Nate with uh, 23 because uh, he just ran the goddamn show. And, uh, and and look, I'm I'm not I'm not saying there's any sort of shenanigans going on, but uh, as we record this, the only person that we don't see is Nate, and the fact that he guessed 42, I don't I don't I'm not just I'm just just saying I would like to see your face a little bit more, buddy. First of all, in my winning acceptance speech of this week's title, I would like to thank What Culture for ranking all of those hell in a cell matches and uh, proving that the 43 minutes that I sat watching that video was not a complete waste of my time. So <laughs> thank you to what culture this victory is dedicated to you real quick with my time. I'd also like to send a big fuck you to Danny fucking Birch quote, not everyone dies catching COVID. Go fuck yourself. All right. I, Time. I thought I thought you were going to tell me to fuck off for alluding to you maybe cheating, but uh, that's okay. I'll take it. Danny Birch can fuck off. That is 23 seconds well spent. Uh, Justin, 
You had a week with the uh, the Ray of Sunshine title, but unfortunately, uh, you'll have to pass it on this week back to Nate. You got uh, 60 seconds on the clock. Let us know what you think. Uh, I'm going to focus on a couple things from WWE that we didn't talk about that I was not happy with. First of all, Raw was again better than SmackDown this week outside of Roman and uh, Uso. One reason I didn't like SmackDown is the beginning of the show. For some reason, we are trying to build a Kevin Owens, Daniel Bryan tag team. I don't understand why we are breaking up legitimate tag teams and taking good singles wrestlers. And instead of putting them in good singles storylines, we're trying to put them in a tag team. That doesn't make any sense. Plus, it also takes away from Daniel Bryan potentially being with Seth Rollins in a storyline. And Seth Rollins was once again mixing it up with the Mysterios this week. That is absolutely horrible. They have just shifted the horrible Raw storylines to the end of our week of SmackDown, and that is three, two, one, my time. Thank you. Uh, right on, right on up to the uh, the clock there, Justin. Shawnee, uh, you may not have won this week, but boy, oh boy, did we have some fun. So you got sixty seconds on the clock. Anything you want to tell the people before we leave? I am so bummed for Ray Phoenix after that incredible Lucha Brothers match this week. It was something I was looking forward to. It absolutely delivered. You know, in a tournament where everyone is looking at uh, Kenny and uh, the Cowboy, we had this just incredible professional wrestling match, uh, incredible luchador ma- match. The other thing is that over on Wrestle Talk, the host Ali, he he'd given Raw a zero star rating, and um, he gave AEW Dynamite a five star rating. I thought both of them were a lot of fun. Actually, I, I enjoyed both shows quite a bit this week. Uh, I did not get to see SmackDown, and the more I'm hearing you guys talk about it, the more I'm thinking that it's probably best that I missed it because I was looking forward for the good times to continue to roll. But it seems like they're taking what isn't working on raw and pushing it onto smackdown sad all right well that's going to do it for this week's one fall show let's go around the room and uh let everybody know where they can find us starting with the champ nate bender where can people find you online you can find me at nate benderama on twitter and streaming over at twitch.tv slash limit break radio and also make sure you check out the one fall show super universe mode over on the one fall show youtube channel Uh, We have a highly modified WWE 2K19, and it's me, Chuck, Shawnee, and Will, who has done several appearances here on this show, doing uh, commentary of WWE 2K19 matches. It's a lot of fun. Check it out. Justin, where can people find you online? All over social media, at JV underscore sports underscore talk or JVSportsTalk.com. How about you, Shawnee? You can find me on Instagram at Shawnee.constant. You can find me running the One Fall Show Twitter page, and you can find me on Patreon at Shawnee Constant Bootleg Sticker Club. $17 man will rise again. Absolutely. Erica, where can people find you online? People can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Erica underscore Bannis. And uh, I've been your host, Chuck B, and you can find me Mondays through Saturdays on 101 WRIF. You can find me as part of the Nerd Radio Podcast, the One Fall Show Podcast, which you are currently listening to, and the Talk Horror to Me Podcast with Shawnee Constant. Make sure to check all of those out wherever you download podcasts. And join us next week for another One Fall Show, where I'll let you know that I did it my way. 
Ooh, we just know still that the shit out of that one. <laughs> yeah. Even Amy's over here. She's like, no, no. Boo. <laughs> Got you under my skin, Chuck. <laughs> figure out, still trying to figure out why that was a one point question and a. <laughs> Because, okay, let me explain. Let me explain. The reason that was a one-point question is because if I had to flip-flop them, we would have talked about that goddamn segment before we even got to the question. I knew that was going to be the first thing we talked about as far as Wednesday night was. So you know what? I'm going to lead with it. You know, that's a good point. Fair enough. That's a good point. It's fine. And we had a shit ton of fun with it. So, you know, yeah. it was, it was, great. Great. It was yeah. right fantastic there. The highlight of the goddamn episode. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Let us know what the titles were. What title did you have? Yes. Admittedly, admittedly, there should have been more, but I think we were all laughing too much at, at one point during the show where I, I just, I couldn't, one, I couldn't keep up with everything that we were saying because it was hilarious. And then two, I was, I was, I was having fun. Sorry. Uh, so, uh, no, I don't like those two, but yeah, I liked, uh, Otis is Chris Farley. Tucker is not David Spade. Uh, <laughs> That's pretty good. Uh, uh, you goddamn kids and your spin doctor's music, <laughs> which I really liked that one. That um, uh, this one's funny. And, and also it, it's a, it's a good trope. Uh, yeah, I'm a Candian guy the way I'm a Paul Heyman guy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's no, that's good. That yeah, might I, be I, I, a good thing for the sticker club if you can uh, recreate the I'm a Paul Heyman guy graphic and, and <laughs> oh, candy. Yeah. yeah, that's good. Yeah. That's good. I, that is good. Uh, then I want Dick Togo singing Mac the Knife. Uh, <laughs> and then last but not least, Danny Birch can fuck off. So also strong. All strong. Also ideas. strong. Yeah. 